Island Church welcomes you to the 2018 Fall Harvest Series. We pray that you are encouraged by all of the different ministers and that the Word of God touches you and blesses you. Matthew chapter 3 this morning. We're going to hit several portions of scriptures as we go through this. If I were to title this, I would title it Friction, Frustration, and Failure. <laughs> friction, frustration, and failure. You don't want any part of that, amen? Let me just say this. You know, we're in a unique, a unique time in the, in the move of God. All kinds of things are happening. And, you know, here's the thing. Sometimes we become judges of what we think is and is not of God. And if you ever get into that, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Because there's all kinds of wonderful things that God's doing. Amen? And there's people that have have broken the template of what we call normal church and people that are doing different things and, you know, they're getting people saved and blessed and some of these churches are growing very quickly and, you know, if you, if you get your eyes on all that and become judgmental, it's going to hurt you. You've got to make a decision to just flow with what you know and flow with what God has for you. If not, there's going to be some friction in your life and that friction is going to lead, lead to frustration and that frustration is going to lead to failure. And I'm going to tell you, this is not a time for any of us, whether we're ministers or just part of a church, this is not a time for any of us to be failures. I mean, this is, this is the day in which many people wish they were still alive to be a part of. I mean, this is the day in which, you know, you think of men like the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul actually said, I'm a son born out of time. I don't know if he saw uh, what would be going on in our day and hour when you could get on a, uh, an airplane and within 24 hours just be just about almost any place on this planet preach the gospel over the internet all over the world from a, from a local church. I mean, it's an amazing, amazing time to be alive and be a part of what God's doing in the earth today. And we want to be active. And we want to, I like to say it like this, we want to be doing what God tells us to do and we want to be doing it the way God says to do it. And if we don't, I'm telling you, it causes frustration, it causes friction, and that always ends up in failure. And I, you know, Lee and I one day, it's been probably a year or so ago, we sat down and probably shouldn't have done it, but we did it anyway. And we we came up with 35 ministries in our lives over the years that we were either part of their, you know, uh, went and ministered for, or they were friends of ours, or people that we knew. that They're not even in the ministry, or they've gone on to be with the Lord prematurely, or they, they, they've just washed up in some ineffective doctrine somewhere, trying to guard some goofy doctrine, you know, blowing shafars and wearing cakes and selling Jewish stuff, you know. It's crazy. It's crazy. And you know what's the problem with that is, is they lose, they lose their effectiveness in the kingdom. And you know, there's all kinds of, of new ideas, new ways. Uh, uh, you know, here recently, we've come up with some new things that we're doing uh, with the youth and, and some things we're doing here in the church. And the bottom line, we're doing it to win souls, to get people into the kingdom of God and to expose them to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Any area of your life that you can't, uh, uh, any area of your life that cannot be a platform for you to preach Jesus from, you need to get that out of your life. Amen? I mean, all, all, the, all the hobbies that I enjoy. I enjoy surfing, and God gave us a 10-year revival in Hawaii. I'm telling you. I mean, my brother's part of it. My dad was a part of it. I think Joe and Joe Nan were with us a couple of times over there. Uh, I mean, it was, it was revival. Holy Ghost. Revi I tell you, by the time that thing was over, there were people, the, their, their main drug over there is called ice. It's a meth thing that comes out of Asia 
and, and by the time it was over, there were people who were ice dealers when we first came that were, that were staff members on churches when we left. Yeah, I mean, it was just a great, great move of God. We experienced it in Ireland, different places. Now we're here uh, a, a pioneering and pastoring the church here in Galveston. Listen, God doesn't want you uh, inactive and ineffective. God wants you active and effective. But if you're going to be active and effective, you're going to have to watch some things in your life. You're going to have to guard some things in your life because there's one thing about your adversary. He's always trying to put the pressure of resistance against that which is in you that is, is, that is effective. Because that which is in you which is effective, whether it's just a, a being an, an effective usher or, or effective in the, in the sound booth or an effective praise and worship person or an effective crusade uh, uh, preacher like Brother Christopher, he always wants to put resistance against that which is effective in the kingdom, trying to stop the flow of that which God is doing. Now, Matthew chapter 3, let's look at a, at a move of God. We're going, to look at, we're going to look a little bit at John the Baptist this morning. I've always been fascinated about who he was and how he came on the scene. Uh, you know, supernaturally God spoke to his, his, his dad and his dad wouldn't receive it, so he just shut his mouth up for nine months. And, uh, you know, but he did come on the scene. He came in, in, into his ministry. Ch verse 1 says like this, chapter 3, Matthew, verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the, pro by the prophet uh, Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the, the Lord, make his way straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and a leather girdle was about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him, now notice that phrase, then went out to him Jerusalem and Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, we know this was something God was doing in the earth. The, the first indicator is it was foretold. This is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. It was foretold. Now God said uh, uh, hundreds of years before that this would actually happen, that this would happen. And here this guy came on the scene. Secondly, we see a second indicator of the move of God. It says, then came out to him. Jerusalem, Judea, and all the region round about. Now let me tell you something about that region. All Jerusalem, Judea, that region round about was and still is the most religious place on the planet the fountainhead of the three big religions of, of Judaism, Christianity, and the Muslim religion are right there in that region and in that area. So you've got to understand when people come out of religion, come out of denominationalism, come out of, uh, of dead religion, and come to the move of God, that's something that God does. So man, I'm telling you, He's, 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 he's flowing, uh, He's going, uh, He's doing, uh, He's in the will of God, He has the anointing, He's operating. Jesus called Him the greatest prophet that ever lived. He's operating in that prophet's ministry. I mean, everything is right. Everything is good. Now notice in verse 13. It says, Now then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Now let me just say this little side, side note. Now notice, if you get your, 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 your Bible map and study this, you'll see that where John was and where Jesus was, was a pretty good distance. Uh, different maps. One of them says like about 47 miles. The, 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 the one that I saw said 70 miles. So Jesus literally traveled like 70 miles to go to where God was doing something. Now understand, God wasn't doing anything in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ right here. He was approximately 30 years old. 
as was the tradition, especially, especially if the father died in a Jewish family, the eldest son stayed in the family till age 30. But at age 30, now listen, at age 30, he inconvenienced himself. He took a journey. He went 70 miles, whether he walked or, or rode on a donkey or a camel. I don't know, but he went a long way to be a part of what God's doing. Now, you, we have to understand something. As a church, as people, and as ministers, the move of God demands inconvenience. If you're looking for something convenient in your life, uh, if you're looking for something that's, you know, well, you know, I, I want it to be easy. I know the Bible says that my yoke is easy, my, uh, my burden's light. That's not in the context of actually what it's saying right there. Literally, you must inconvenience yourself. Listen, it's not easy to come to church every service. It's not easy to tithe every paycheck. It's not e easy to come to every prayer meeting. There is an element of inconvenience in just about everything God calls us to do. But the good news is, as we yield to it and do it, it helps to develop the character that we need to be a part of what God is doing. Amen? we got to understand, God many times works on our character for years to get us to the place that we need to be where God can cause us to be the most effective in the generation in which we live. You know, a lot of people, we, we see the great ministries of uh, we've, some of the clips we've shown, Brother Osteen, uh, we're going to show Brother Hagen tonight. You, you, you really only saw the, the kind of the end of what went on. You didn't see the years of obscurity. The years that Brother, uh, Brother, Brother Osteen and Sister Doty sat in that feed barn. The years that, that Brother Hagen pulled a, a little old trailer around the country with, with bald tires and, and just making his budget from one offering to the next offering. We didn't see all of that. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Most people have no idea. What, I mean, they didn't just arrive at that place. It was a journey in which they continued to be faithful. They continued to allow the Spirit of God and the calling of God upon their life to inconvenience them. And as you do that, then God works on your character to get you into a place in which He can maximize the potential of what He's called you to do. Amen. A lot of people are resistant against that because we live in such a society of comfort and convenience. But there are things spiritually that just are not comfortable and they are not convenient, but we must submit to them. Two, mo two moans and a uh-huh. <laughs> Amen. Now notice this again, though. That's, that was a sidetrack, so we'll come back this way. Now it says, Then Jesus, come to, uh, Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Now notice this. But John forbade him, saying, I need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. I've never seen this before. The Lord began to deal with me, this, this message with me on, on, on Sunday afternoon. And I've never preached it this way before, and I've never seen this before in the Scripture. But when I was studying it, and the Lord was kind of dealing with me about this message, the Lord spoke to me and said right there, when John stood up and said, I, no, no, I don't want to baptize you, you need to baptize me, that's friction. We may look at that and think, oh, that's, that's, oh, that's holy, and that's just... Let me tell you something. That was not the plan of God for, for Jesus to baptize John right then. Come on. That was not the plan of God. That was the, pl the plan of God was for Jesus to be baptized of John. You know, the Bible says this of righteousness because the next thing Jesus said in order to counter what John said, he said, Jesus answering, said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Everybody say, fulfill all righteousness. Now, that is what God wants for each and every one of us in our lives according to the particular calling of God upon your life. God wants you and me to fulfill all righteousness. 
And the Bible says in Isaiah 32, 17, that the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness shall be quietness and a surety forever. So there may be, listen, there may be some spiritual fights, there may be some bumps in the road, but at the end of the day, your work of righteousness is going to, is going to produce peace and a surety in your life. Maybe we haven't got there yet. Amen? So here's John. Now, now I don't know how he, how he came to make this statement, how he came to, to basically just say, well, you know, uh, we need to do this my way, not your way. That's where friction comes in, lack of submission. Amen. And anything you take the lubrication out of is going to wear much quicker than it usually does. You take the oil out of your car, you take lubrication out of different types of machinery, and it'll, it, you can start it and you can run it, but it'll burn up real quick. It'll burn up real quick. Now, I've never seen that before in the Scripture. I always kind of played it down a little bit and said, well, you know, John was just really trying to preserve his ministry. You say, why would you say that? Well, the, over there in the Scripture we just read that what was going on in his ministry was not great healings, not great miracles, not great signs and wonders, but people were going down in the water and coming up confessing sin. So if Jesus goes down in the water and comes up confessing sin, John just fried his ministry because he's the one that said, Behold the Lamb of the God which taketh away the sin of the world. So all of a sudden there was an insecurity in him and because of that insecurity he made the statement, Well, you know, I don't need to be baptized. I don't need to be baptizing you. You need to be baptizing me. But that was not the protocol. And anytime you go against spiritual protocol, that's friction. People don't understand that. But there is a protocol in the Spirit which you must understand. It is defined by the Word of God. It is that which works, up, works, up, works upon our character so that we are able to function in the offices, with the giftings, with the anointings, and with the blessings that God has upon our life. That is what is such a threat to the kingdom of darkness. That's why the enemy always tries to trip us up. That's why I've always been meticulous in my life. I went to, we preached at a church in Colorado years ago, Lee and I did. Actually, it was a, the first time we did it, it was in a little storefront. The second time we did it, it was, in the, it was in the auditorium of Columbine High School. And this pastor was an unusual fellow. And the first time I preached for him, he said, now look, Rusty, you got 30 minutes. He said, no person I've ever had in my church has ever obeyed me. And he said, after 30 minutes... I get up and I leave and I go to my house. He had just had uh, uh, Dr. Cho's mother-in-law. And she kind of went on because she was preaching and, and had broken English and spoke a little bit with an interpreter and stuff like that. And they had to come to his house and knock on the door to get the offering. Because when he told them, you got 45 minutes, when 45 minutes was, him and his wife just got up walked out went to the house. So you know what I did? I preached 28 minutes. And I gave it back to him. And I said, it's yours. And after we left, he said, you're the only person that's ever done that. Well, you know, that's his house. That's his church. And that's the correct protocol. And he invited me back. And when we went back, the church was probably, what, five times bigger. And we got up and the Holy Ghost moved and we had a wonderful time. The Spirit of God. But listen, I had to fall within the protocol of what that guy set for me. That's called submission. 
And we don't, when we don't fall within the protocol, we'll say, I got a gift, and the anointing's flowing, and this and that. It doesn't make any difference. We do the same thing. We cause friction. We do the same thing that John the Baptist is doing right here. And let me tell you what's going on right here. In this particular portion of Scripture, John the Baptist is being set up. He's being set up. Now, if you don't believe it, go to, go just a couple of pages over. Go to, go to chapter 11. Go to chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus has made an end of commanding his 12 disciples. Now, just right there is another little rabbit trail. What Brother Hagin used to say, little, there's a little meat on a rabbit. Jesus retains the right to command. And there are times when it is not an option and Jesus commands you. Commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and preach in the cities. Now when John, now this is John the Baptist, had heard, now notice this phrase, in the prison, the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, Are, ye, are, are thou he that should come, or should we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again. So this must not have been the first time, it must have been more than once. Those things which you do hear and see, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers cleanse, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now notice this last phrase, and blessed, that's, that, that's the Greek word empowered. And empowered is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, usually when I teach on this portion of Scripture, I teach it in line with the three offenses, the three major offenses that get a hold of people. Number one, there's the offense of the Word of God, Mark chapter 4. Secondly, the offense of Matthew 11, the way God chooses to do things. And then third, there's the offense we get at other people, at each other. You have to guard against all of those offenses because offenses cause friction, friction causes frustration, and frustration will lead you into failure. Now, I know this might not be a shouting message, but I'm preaching this to help somebody here this morning. Amen? You've got to recognize and realize that John, he is the guy that got the revelation from God of Jesus being the Lamb of God. I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me whose shoe latch and I'm not worthy to tie. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Now, if I would have been a prisoner uh, and a disciple of Jesus, or a even a disciple of John in the prison with him, I'd say, no, wait a second, John, you're going to send a letter to, to Jesus and you're going to ask him, are you he that should come, or should we look for another? Now, he is questioning, now listen to this very closely. He is questioning the revelation that gave him his identity. That was his identity as the forerunner, as the one that went before, as the one that pointed the way to him, the one that would come. That's his identity, and now, notice where he's at. He's in prison. We'll look at this a little more when we go to another scripture. But the prison is in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is in the city. And John was the voice of one crying in the... So now he's frustrated. He's out of his place and he's questioning revelation that gave him identity. Now, how many people are like that, 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 that come to these flavor of churches where there's teaching of the Word, 
faith. Let me just say it like this. When you come to a church that puts a demand upon you, that gives you an avenue and a platform to fulfill your righteousness, there is going to be more opportunity for offense. There's going to be more opportunity for friction. There's going to be more opportunity for frustration. But you've got to make a decision. I am not going to take those opportunities. I'm going to make a decision to become unoffendable. I'm not going to cause any friction whatsoever. I'm not going to end up in the prison, imprisoned by my own frustration. I've said this for years. Danny can attest to this. Christopher, Mark, all everybody that travels. All, the, all of our churches should probably be double or triple or quadruple of what they are right now. But so many people have gotten offended. They've gotten upset. They've gotten frustrated. And they end up failing in the things of God because they did not guard their heart when it came to the things of God and the character that God was trying to build on the inside of them. And one little word here, one little something about tithing, one little something that, that, that touched on a character trait that they were failing in or needed some correction in, all of a sudden they get up and, well, I don't know, I got you preaching. And I still go back to the, the letter I got from the lady. I never met her. I never met her. And she writes me this, just chews me up in this letter, and she says, I am no longer a member of Island Church because I am tired of coming to church week after week after week and you telling everybody what I've been doing. <laughs> I didn't even know her. <laughs> Sounds frustrated to me, amen? Sounds a little frustrated. But John, come on, John. I get your newsletter. I heard you in the conference last month. I got your CD series. What do you mean? What do you mean? Is he, that sh uh, is he the one that we should come? Or should we look for another? What do you mean look for another? Well, we went to your meetings out in the wilderness, but now he's out of his place. And when you get out of your place, there's so many terrible testimonies of people that have gotten out of their place and the enemy has destroyed them. You know, I like Joshua 5. You don't have to turn there. But in Joshua 5, it talks about when, when, when they're fixing to go over and, and get into the promised land. And, and the Bible says after the celebration of the Passover, after all that was going on, the Bible says this, they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. Did you get that? They abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. For every person that prays that sinner's prayer and gets born again, there is a place in the camp for you, abide, for you to abide till you are made whole. And that is a process, and it takes time, and it takes humility, and it takes submission, and you've got to go through the bumps, and you've got to not pay attention to the bruises, and you've got to make a decision, I'm not going to get offended, and you've got to stay in there, or else you're going to have the friction of those situations cause you to end up in a prison of frustration. Amen? Now, go to Mark. Go to Mark chapter 6. Well, okay, I'll do that, Lord. Mark chapter 6. Go to verse 14. It says, And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad, and he said, now this is speaking of Jesus, that King Herod had heard of Jesus uh, because his name was spread abroad. And he said, 
that John the Baptist was risen from the dead. Therefore, mighty works to show forth himself in him. Well, it wasn't John the Baptist risen from the dead. We know that. Others said that it is the prophet Elijah. Others said that it is a prophet or one of the prophets. Uh, but when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John whom I beheaded. Now, John's dead here. Now, let me just say, that wasn't the will of God for John to die. That was, listen, that was not written in the plan of God. God doesn't steal, kill, or destroy. So well, that, that was somehow in the sovereign. No, it was not. I believe with all my heart that John was the last Old Testament prophet that should have stepped right over into a new dispensation and became the first New Testament prophet. Flowing in the Holy Ghost, been there in the upper room getting filled with the Spirit, but he wasn't there. He wasn't there. But now notice this. This is interesting. For John had said to Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias, the woman, had, quarreled, had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but, the, but she could not. For Herod, now notice this, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and observed him, and when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. John had an open door to Herod. You got to listen to this. John had an open door to Herod, but John had left his place. He had left his office. He had let go of being a prophet, and he became a judge. Now listen to me. The day you step outside of your calling and become a judge, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. I hear lots of negative things said about uh, uh, churches doing this or churches doing... You know, I got to the point, I just don't care what anybody does. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Oh, you know, these people, they only have a 30-minute service. I don't care that's good. If that's good for them, praise God. I hope the Holy Ghost moves for them in 30 minutes. Doesn't matter. Well, this church grew to 50,000 people in 22 minutes. All right, glory to God. Amen. Who was it that said... Be sure, to, was it Gamal that said, don't fight against it, it just might be a God. Amen. Many times when we begin to go into a judgmental mode, it is a sign of our frustration because there's been friction in our behavior. We're not submitted the way we should be. And literally, this is because, oh, I don't want to get in this because there's so much teaching to it. This is because you are losing the battle of your mind. Now let me say that again. You are losing the battle of your mind. Therefore, the enemy sees you as a person willing to entertain thoughts of friction and frustration. And the reason... He bombards your mind with those kind of thoughts is because he knows that if he can continue to bombard it, you will speak that friction, you will speak your frustration, and you will give birth to it. And it points you toward a beheading. Not a physical beheading. 
you lose the, you, you, you leave your church, you, you, you leave your, your, the, your, your friends, your relationships that God has put over you to protect you, to keep you. To help. I'm not talking about some kind of kinky submission thing. I'm talking about what we all do in submission one to another. You just step out from under that. I'm tired of those people trying to control me, all this kind of stuff. You just step away from that. You're, you're, you're being beheaded. You're getting your head cut off. And when you get your head cut off, you're totally ineffective. John didn't preach from the grave. Amen. Now notice this. For Herod feared John. He had an open door to Herod. He should have waited. He should have just been, you know, I'm just going to stick here in the wilderness. I've meditated. When I taught so much on offense over, when I was in the field on this, uh, you know, I've taught it, taught it to y'all's church. And man, it brought a great healing. I remember that one, one time I came and, and preached on Sunday morning. Something's going on in the church. I just turned my plate over, started fasting and praying. And man, by the end of that week, we, man, God had moved in the church and removed all kinds of offense and junk like that. And man, they just took off from there and just kept on growing. But you know, when I used to uh, uh, teach and preach on that and, and see that, I used to meditate on the scripture because, you know, that's one of your greatest strengths is meditation. It's as, it's, as, it's as much of a strength as prayer. I don't think people don't realize that. And, and I would think, okay, Lord, you know, what was it? What, what, what was it? We know right here we just saw that, that little friction right there at the river, that little friction. No, let's, let's do it my way, not your way. Let's do it my way. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Let's do it God's way. That's what he was saying. We know it was God's way because Jesus ended up being anointed by the Holy Ghost and hearing or having correct spiritual perception of what God was saying. But what was it? Was it, and I, I came up with several, but was it that, that Jesus walked around him and went to Galilee and chose some fishermen and came back around him and was walking and he's with his fishermen and their disciples and John thinking, well, why, why am I not a disciple? Well, if anybody's qualified to be a disciple, it ought to be me. I'm a preacher. I'm a prophet. I got big crowds coming. I mean, the least he could have done was give me a, a little recognition and, and maybe included me in a, in a, in a crusade or, or called me to help feed all those people when that miracle was done. Why, why is he not including me? Why is he not including Because it wasn't the plan of God. One thing we know about Jesus is Jesus was flowing in the perfect will of the Father. And as he flowed in the perfect will of the Father, then the activity of the will of the Father was being performed. Now, we down here, we don't flow in that perfect will. We do our best to stay on that path of righteousness. We pray, we fast, we intercede, we study the Word, we preach, we teach. We do all that we know to do to stay on that. But there are times when we weave back off and on and then we get, I know when I've missed it. And I do my best to get right back on that path of righteousness. I know when I've missed I'll humble myself. I can do everything I need to do to get right back on that path of righteousness. Amen? But could that have been his frustration? Could that have been, you know, that's just not, and this is the, the word we use, that's just not fair. <laughs> I was, when I, when we got to the church on, on uh, Monday, the, that big Methodist church up in the woodlands and, we came in and I met, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I forgot his name, it, it, but it was doctor on the front, doctor who was the, you know, and I thought, and I looked at him, man, he's this, this straight guy, you know, standing there, and I thought to myself, my God, here I am walking in here, you know, just a, 
just an old beach bum, you know. I mean, just God, one of the foolish things that God has taken to confound. I'm like, you know, and I'm looking at him and, I'm, and the way he speaks and his eloquence and all this kind of thing. Oh, my goodness, you know. I mean, if you look at the two of us, you think, well, which one is really qualified to, to, to flow in the Holy Ghost and, and to do something in the kingdom? It, it's certainly not me. Amen. But the thing about God is God will qualify you, not because of how many letters you got next to your name, but because of your heart. And the Lord spoke this to me years ago. He said, listen, he said, because I was all bemoaning my past and oh, woe is me. For, and you know, the Lord really corrected me. He said, listen, I have qualified you for everything I've ever called you to do. And he said this, he said, the devil cannot disqualify you, but he will work his brains out trying to get you to disqualify yourself. And that's what a lot of people do their whole life. They're trying to disqualify themselves from all the things that God wants them to do. And here's John, an open door to Herod, but Herod had beheaded him. He would lost his ministry. His, frustra- his, his friction, his frustration had turned into a failure. Amen? No, I don't think he'll be mad at me when I see him in heaven. Because I believe God put this information in the Word of God for us not to have that happen to us. I mean, he doesn't want that happening to us. Now, I'm not going to read about his execution. Let's look, at, let's look at a couple of things, first of all, that helps us. If we find that, if we ever find that, listen, most of the time this can get cut off when you find yourself in the friction stage. Now, let me say this. The friction stage, you say, what is that? That is where something's going this way, you're going this way, and it's causing friction. Amen? So, what you need to do, because many times in this stage is where blame rises up. And we start blaming our location, the church we go to, the pastor. We start blaming all kinds of things. And anytime you find yourself pointing a finger at something that you think is holding you back in the kingdom, you're in trouble. That is, that is the oldest trick in the book. You say, what do you mean by that? It's exactly what Satan did to Eve. For God doth know in the day you eat thereof, you shall be of God's knowing good. You know what he was saying? He said, yeah, this creator, yeah, he's really cool. He's really, but what he's doing is he's putting you down here and he's putting a great potential right at your grasp, but he does not want you fulfilling that which you could really be. He's holding you back. That's what it was. Just think, you could be as gods. Well, she didn't realize a snake is talking to me. And anytime blame gets into your life, now listen to me. It's because the snake is talking to you. You blame everything. I tell you, I, I blame it. They, they won't let me do this. They won't let me do you, you Listen, the snake is talking to your mind, talking to your mind. And what you're doing is you're entertaining those thoughts and giving them birth with your mouth. Number one, everybody say number one. You have to go back to the basics of your beliefs, to the foundations of your, of your salvation. You have to recognize and realize you were a sinner in need of a Savior. 
And because of the loving grace and mercy of a loving God, you are a born-again Christian, you have left the human family, and you are now in God's family. And you need to value and appreciate that above everything else because without that, you die and you go to hell. Not because of what you do or do not do, but because of who you are. Brother Osteen used to always say, God did not, Jesus did not die to make bad people good. He died to make dead people alive. You've got to go back to that foundation. You've got to rejoice in the God of your salvation. You've got to go back to the foundations of the Word, and you've got to go back to the foundations of prayer. You have to get yourself disconnected from the friction. And you never get disconnected from the friction until you make the choice to do it. Because it is one of those things that the longer it goes, the worse it gets. I mean, you, you drain the oil out of your car and turn the car on, take off and go out the door. You, you, you probably won't even make it to the stoplight. The oil light's going to come on. Which shows you there's a process of friction taking place. And if you do not do something about that, then the friction of having no lubrication in your motor is fixing to shut your motor down and as it shuts your motor down then literally it'll burn it up. I, I bought a new boat two years ago and um, we rent, made some fishing trips in it and, and, the, and, the, and the, it wasn't cooling correctly and uh, man it, got, it was frustrating. I was like you know we took it back to the shop they did all this work they redid the different things on it reconfigured the boat uh, all this kind of stuff, and man, it was just frustrating. We went back again. I remember uh, Paul Chase was here, and I took him fishing on the way back. I think shut down. I had to sit there and idle it till it cooled back off and come back home. It was just frustrating. So finally, I took it over to some to some people that worked on it, and and, and they did all this diagnostic. There's nothing wrong with the motor, and there was nothing wrong with the boat. But what was wrong was, is the prop that was on the motor was too small. So it was not pulling enough water across the intakes to keep the motor cool. And so they, they went through four props and the last one worked and now the motor's been working fine ever since. But this is what he told me. This is what the mechanic told me. He came out and talked to me for about 20 minutes. He said, 20 years ago, this would have never made it, you'd have, this never happened. This would have never happened 20 years ago. He said, all those motors back then were just gas, pistons, you know, just motors that ran. He said, but now these motors, they got a computer literally connected to every nut and bolt. I mean, he says, they're so tight that if you're off just a little bit, then that computer system goes into action, just shuts the whole thing down. Now, you got to understand, there are some things that are pretty tight in the kingdom that you cannot compromise. God's got his computer system connected to your heart, which is a pretty detailed and intricate thing. And he knows you better than you know yourself. And when you have big dreams and, and, and you, I want to do this in the kingdom and I want to be a blessing, I want to be active, I want to be, and nothing's happening for you, you can't play that blame game. You've got to go back and you've got to begin to do some self-searching in your own life. Let's, let me just say this. Nothing on planet Earth stops the promotion of God. You're not hearing that. Nothing on planet earth stops the promotion of God except the person that's being promoted not being and doing what they're supposed to be doing. 
You're the only one that can stop the promotion of God in your life. And you know, when you begin to realize that and recognize that, then literally you have to go back to the foundational things. You know, I used to, I heard a deal about Vince Lombardi. Anybody remember Vince Lombardi? He was the coach of the Green Bay Packers. And I think when they went two Super Bowls when he was coaching, and he said their training camp in the summertime, he said all these guys are professionals, been playing, been playing football since they were in the seventh grade. Four years of college, many of them on the pro team for many years. But every year in training camp, he would get up on the table and he'd hold up a football and he'd start, he'd start training camp like this. This is a football. <laughs> and if anybody ever studied Vince Lombardi, he was known for what? Does anybody know? The basics. He was a basics, let's go back to the basics, tackling, passing all the basics of football, and it made him, a, made him a Hall of Fame coach. We've got to go back to the basics of who we are, what we have, what we can do in Christ. Listen, you've got to simplify your belief system. You can't stretch your vision so far out that you're believing from east to west, north to south for all this stuff. Man, it'll just be a carousel around your head. Listen, focus on one thing. Believe in God. Trust in God. Let that thing come into being and then rejoice over it and go the next thing. And the next thing after that. And then when you do that for a few years, God will trust you with a couple of things. And you do that for a few years, then it may be three or four things. But start where you are with one thing. Be a good usher. Be a good praise and worship person. Be a good youth minister. Be whatever it is that God allows you to do in the kingdom. Just be good at that. First thing God really allowed me to do was give my testimony. I hated that. I really did. I did not like getting up and rehearsing 12 years of stupidity because that's what it was. I was, I was talking to Mark, uh, Pastor Mark. Oh, I don't know. One time we were together and, and I said, you know, he was in the 74 uh, class at Rhema, the, 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 uh, the class that started in September of 74. I should have been in that class. I graduated high school in 1974. I should have gone right from Mom and Dad Goodwin's church right over to Rhema. Wasn't there. So I'd get up and tell my testimony, tell my testimony, tell my testimony. And so I got good at it. And God blessed it. And people got saved. I learned some things about how the Spirit moved. I learned, thank God I had a good teacher, Mom Goodwin. And, and then when we married, I married Leah and, and, and she would uh, uh, teach us and talk to us about spiritual things. God, God helped us learn how to flow in some things. But I hated giving that testimony. I just hated it. And I remember the day that I, uh, in, in Harlingen, Texas, and, and gave that testimony. And there were probably 600 people there. And, a, and, a, and a, a dermatologist, I was staying in his house. He was the full gospel businessman president. And I taught on forgiveness. I just like, like 10 minutes on forgiveness after I gave my testimony. And a woman got up about three rows back and addressed uh, Dr. Hamilton. Oscar Hamilton was his name. And she said, Dr. Hamilton, I hate you. I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, full gospel businessman didn't have ushers and stuff like that. I hate you. And then she began to cry. She said, when I was a little girl, you, you treated my face and my face got pitted. I blamed it on you. But I want you to know I love you. I forgive you. I love you. And man, the Holy Ghost just went and fell on that crowd. And people began to weep and cry and came to the front. I mean, it was awesome. And I went back to Dr. Hamilton's guest bedroom and fell across the bed. And I said, Lord, please. I'm so tired. It was, this was in, in April. I was fixing to graduate from Lakewood Bible Institute. Had, had months of, of training and teaching. I was so ready to preach I was about to explode. I said, Lord, I'm so tired. 
of giving this testimony. And I laid across the bed just praying, just, just emotional. Please, Lord. And the Lord, I'll never forget, he spoke to me right out of the word like he always does. You're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And I said, I, let me preach on the blood of the Lamb. Amen. There was friction going on. Friction was happening. But see, you gotta, you got to do something about that. And I cried out again, Lord, I'm just so frustrated. I need, I need. And the Lord spoke to me again real strong in my spirit. You don't, over, you don't understand, right? You are an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. That wasn't helping. It wasn't helping. Then the third time he spoke to me, it was just a tender word in my spirit. He said, your problem is, is you think it's your unrighteous testimony, but you're an overcomer, overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and your righteous testimony. When he said that, it was like I was freed from prison. It was, I'm telling you, I got my notebook. I started in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I wrote, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I went to 2 Corinthians, I'm the righteousness. I tell you, I got all that redemptive stuff, and I wrote me a brand new testimony. And I couldn't wait for my phone to ring for somebody to call up and say, come give your testimony. And I got up and gave it. And they said, that's preaching. And I had been back to full gospel business since. <laughs> but I've done okay given my testimony so you've got to go back to those basic things secondly go to Acts 13 real quick we'll look at two more scriptures real quick is this helping anybody Acts chapter 13 I'm going to borrow this scripture from Pastor Mark Now look what it says here. Let me get over there. It says, now they were in the church. Now notice that word. They were in the what? In the what? In the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, uh, such as Barnabas and Simeon, uh, called Niger and Lucius and Serena and Manahan, uh, which had been bought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me, Barnabas and Saul for the work were to have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Now notice this. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Now, this speaks of your company, of people that you surround yourself with. And when, you, and when God puts you in a company and surrounds you with people, do not seek levels. Amen? Just find a level to serve and be a blessing. And if you find a level to serve and be a blessing, you're going to be included in the group in which the Holy Ghost says. And you're going to be included in the group in which you're going to go forth or be sent forth by the Holy Ghost. And God sees every little act of kindness, little act of submission, little thing you do within the company that he brings you into and he rewards you for that and promotes you because of that. I, you know, uh, Hagen over here, I, I met him at, uh, over in Joaquin years ago and I was at uh, uh, Pastor Sam's two or three years ago and I was up at the front desk trying to get some water. And, uh, you know, they, 
the lady was him on around, something like that, and gave me a bottle of water, and I left. And when I came back that night, he was standing behind me. I came back that night, there was a case of water by my door, and I knew who had given it to me. I knew it was Hayden. I've never forgot that. That was a tremendous act of kindness. He didn't have to do that. But I'm going to tell you, it really doesn't matter that I saw that. God saw that. God saw that. Little things like that within your company. Not, well, when are they going to let me speak? i got a prophecy. I got, you can't seek levels in the company. Look, there were only two called out of the three. What about the other three? Well, I'm going to go find me another ministerial organization. There's got to be another group of guys around here somewhere going to recognize me, send me out, lay hands on me. And why was it just, and why was it Saul? Come on. He preaches crazy. Well, I heard him say the other day, we shouldn't even recognize Jesus in the flesh. We should just know him by the Spirit. What does that mean? Come on. And you know, he's, he's really, you know, he's really got ulterior motives. Because if you remember approximately 12 to 13 years ago, he was arresting people. He was taking them to jail. I'm, I'm telling you, he's a bad dude. And you ever notice how the negative side of a person gets embellished by an individual who feels like they have not been promoted in the things of God? It always happens. And, and the crazy thing is, is many people listen to that and allow that stuff to be planted in them and it begins the process of friction and frustration in their life. It's contagious. Well, thank God. I guarantee you these other three guys probably said, well, glory to God, you know, we're next. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. That's the way you've got to be. You've got to make a decision that I don't care who gets promoted where. I'm going to be faithful where I'm at, doing what I'm supposed to be doing, lending any aid or assistance to anybody as long as it takes, as long as I'm needed. Listen. Many times it's just being faithful to conferences to come when God tugs your heart and says you need to be in that meeting or tugs you. And I've had, I had four other ministers that called me and said, you know, God told me to be in that conference. They did not even come. And I know three of them right now are sitting at home. Four of them told me that. I'm supposed to be here. I'm, I need to be here. I'm supposed to be here. They're not here. They never came. Amen. See, when God tells you something, you're going to have to value that God told you something. That's one of the things Mom Goodwin told us years ago. He, she said, when there's a thus saith the Lord, you got to reckon God has talked to you. Yes. If you take it lightly, if you, you, if, you, if you view it as human communication, then literally you're not going to catch the weight of what God is trying to say to you. And you've got to make a decision. If God speaks to me, that's what I have to do. One more, real quick. Go to Second, Second Peter. Second Peter, chapter one. Now, if you don't mind, yeah, let me get over there. If you don't mind, here, Lee, I keep dropping this pen on the floor. It's causing friction. <laughs> I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Started in verse 3. For His divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness. 
through the full, through the full personal knowledge of him called us by and to his own glory and excellent virtue. By means of these, he has bestowed on us his precious and exceedingly great promises so that through them you may escape by flight from the moral decay, rottenness, and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust, and greed and become sharers and partakers of the divine nature. Now that right there is so huge that our human minds can't even grasp that. That we as human beings are allowed by God through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ to be partakers and handlers of the divine nature. Now come on, come on church. That is a, that is a phenomenon. That is incredible. That goes against the grain of religion. That goes against the grain of theology. That goes against the grain of philosophy. That goes against everything. But it's the Word of God. He wants us to be partakers of divine nature. For this very reason, adding to your diligence to the divine promise, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop. Now he's speaking of processes here. There are processes. Listen, I guess the, the elder statesman here, and I say that uh, not because of age, but wisdom and time in the ministry is Pastor Sam. But the processes of God are still working in his life. They didn't end when he turned 70 a year ago. They are still working. He is still submitted to them. He is still working out things in his own life and God is using him now more than ever because he never usurped the... Pro it ought to be a testimony to every one of us. Mm -mm. Virtue, let me get it back here. Employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue, excellent resolution, Christian energy, and in exercising virtue, develop knowledge or intelligence. And in exercising knowledge, develop self-control. That's what keeps friction out. You lose your spiritual self-control, friction begins. There are times when it is the greatest effort to walk in love with no emotion. And you miss that. You say, why? The agape love we're required to walk in is love greater than any human love with no emotion. That means it's, it's something you do, something you have to do. And in exercising knowledge, develop self-control. And in exercising self-control, develop steadfastness, faithfulness, patience, endurance. And in exercising steadfastness, Develop godliness. Uses the word piety. I like godliness there better. And in exercising godliness, develop brotherly affection. And in exercising brotherly affection, develop Christian love. For as these qualities are yours and increasingly abound in you, now notice this, they will keep you 
from being idle or unfruitful. Well, I just ain't got nothing to do. Nobody give me nothing to do. I won't do something. I won't do something. Why are you idle? Well, it's your fault. Well, it's the head usher's fault. Well, it's the praise and worship leader's fault. I can do it. No. God does not like idleness, and he will not allow you to be idle. As you walk in his will and walk in his way, he will increase the activity of your life. I mean, I thought I was doing a lot when I traveled. The Roland has been with us for 200 years. <laughs> and y'all can't have him. He's mine. But we, man, at the end of our field ministry, we were busy. Man, we traveled every week. Every week we were in a meeting. Not only that, I, 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 I gave my word to my pastor that I would teach full-time in his Bible school. And there would be weeks when I would do Sunday through Wednesdays or I'd be over in Europe or I'd be down in Central America, or I'd be overnight, and I'd come back, and I, on Thursday and Friday, I could not be with my wife. I could not go fishing or hunting or surfing. I had to do four Bible school classes, five Bible school. I had to catch all of them up, every one of them up. I thank God I had a pastor allowed me to do that. And it was not comfortable. It was not convenient. It was not easy. Amen. But now... I thought, man, pastor in a church, what do you mean? Preaching twice, three times a week? How am I going to do that? But now I've got doors open all over the world. All over the world, people are asking us to come. All, uh, I've been, on, I've been on, uh, in Europe and in Asia with, with Pastor Mark. We've preached together in Europe. We've preached together in Asia. I preached in Europe with Pastor Sam. And I, we'll preach in Asia together. Sam, uh, uh, Paul's already got a scheme going for, for 2020, which is their, their some, I think, 40th anniversary or something like that. And, you already told me about it. So we'll all be in Asia together. New churches we've gone to this year. We've met the, uh, 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 Jason and his wife in, in Craig, Colorado this year. New doors opening for us all the time. We're not idle. We're busy. We're busy here at the church. We started our Bible school and uh, uh, cranked it up again in, in September. How was 70 students coming to Bible school. I mean, come on, church. We're busy. Amen. We're not idle. They will keep you from being idle or unfruitful unto the full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Now notice this. For whoever lacks these qualities is blind spiritually and short-sighted, seeing only what is near to him. Now I'm telling you, I could take off right there and paint you a picture of the problem of spiritual nearsightedness. How you don't see the big picture. Listen, I'm telling you things have been spoken over me by men and women that I know are of God that I'm looking at the big picture and I'm looking way out. I'm looking into my 70s. I'm looking into my 80s. I look at, I'm looking to enjoy years of ministry with all my friends and relationships. I'm looking down through those, those long portals of time in which we'll be fruitful, we'll be busy in the things of God. I literally see a day when the hunting, the fishing, all that's over because the move of God is so strong that we're going day after day after day. And, and, and Mark calls said, man, Rusty, come up here and take this for a couple of weeks. Sam says, man, come up here and take this for a I said, man, no, y'all come to Galveston and take this for a couple of weeks. I'm telling you, we're going to be busy in the harvest of God. And if you don't have an expectancy for that, you're short-sighted and you only see what's near. And God calls that blindness. Whoever lacks these qualities is blind. 
spiritually short-sighted, seeing only what is near to him, and he's become oblivious to the fact that you were cleansed from your old sins. That means sin is pulling you that way. Well, I'm a Christian. I don't sin anymore. You'd be surprised how much sin gets into people that has nothing to do with old habits. When you're not walking in love, when you're not walking in faith, when you're critical, when you're all these different negative acts, that's sin in your life, church. Last scripture. Because of this, brethren, be all the more solicitous and eager to make sure, to ratify and strengthen, to make steadfast your calling and election. I love this last phrase. For if you do this, you will never stumble or fall. You'll get rid of the friction, you'll get rid of the frustration, and you will not fall. Amen. I love people that just find something in the kingdom to do and do it. I, we were in the office this morning and my phone went and my, my scripture came, my daily scripture. Leah smiles. My friend from Hawaii, Tommy Chung Ming, Chinese Hawaiian. Great guy. 1994, he was national surfing champion, shortboard and longboard. Recruited by every board maker, every, every, every clothing company to go on the professional circuit. And he said no because he had a family, five children. We met him in 98, 98 or 99. He was the head bellman at the Ihilani Hotel. It was kind of the last years of a, uh, the revival in Hawaii. had peaked uh, six, seven, and eight churches at a time were meeting together with us. We were using the ballroom at the Ihilani, and we were using their rooms, and it was a wonderful time. We were just having a blast. And Tommy took me surfing at Makaha. And you just don't drive up to Makaha and go surfing when you're a Halley, a white person. You don't do that. But Tommy introduced me. He, remember that, Leah, when we went the next day? The, the, the king of the west side, Buffalo Kealana, gives Leah this big old hug that I didn't like. That's the way he was. His son, Brian, if you ever see any water work done around Hawaii in movies, that's Brian Kealana. Uncle Brian, we saw him when we were there two years ago, saw him in the parking lot. I mean, they just, I'll never forget, I, I paddled out with Tommy, and the waves were coming, and this is one of the most beautiful waves in Hawaii. It just breaks this beautiful right. And I was, I didn't want to take off, because, you know, every wave had a guy just shredding. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and here comes Tommy. He catches one. And he says, hey, brother, you caught one yet? I said, no, man, Tommy. I, <laughs> I just sitting out there like a buoy, you know. And he said, you need a paddle, brother. You need a paddle, brother. You need a paddle. And so uh, they were sitting about from here to the wall for me. So I kind of paddled a little bit toward the, and the set of waves started coming in. And there was about 20 wines sitting out there. And Tommy was in the middle. Of them, and they all started doing this. Paddle, Rusty, paddle. Paddle, Rusty, paddle. Paddle, Rusty, paddle. Paddle. And none of them took a wave. And I'm like, it took me about 15 seconds to figure out what's happening. And they let that whole set come to me. And I took off on this beautiful wave and rode it all the way to the beach. And I'll tell you, I was the happiest person on planet Earth that day. <laughs> and I led Tommy to the Lord. Tommy worked four jobs. He surfed 15 and 20 minutes at a time between jobs, raising five children. A little, what was it, the uh, uh, duplex that he lived in was less than 1,200 square feet, $780,000. And he's working for, for pennies. 
worked hard, worked hard, got him in a church. Well, I remember we were there one year, and he asked me about tithing. He was so unsure about tithing, so I, I took him to the Word. He became a tither. Now, in 2018, he don't work four jobs anymore. He's the number one Volkswagen and Subaru sailor in, uh, salesman in Honolulu. And every day, he sends hundreds of people one scripture every day, as faithful as the sunrise. I know that when my phone goes off, uh, usually it's been about 1030, that Tommy is getting up and looking for his scripture to send everybody. And he found a way of doing that. And he has like 1,200 people that he does that every day to, and that's his ministry. And he's blessed, and all of his kids, we help put all of his kids through college. Junior is a captain on the police force in Honolulu, and he just found his little niche. He's, a, he's an usher at his church. He just loves God, and he's, he's one of the happiest. Literally, there was an article in Surfer Magazine about him, and they called him the happiest surfer in Hawaii. Not the best. Not the grandest, but they, they, they and, and, the, and the article was amazing because it said this. We have determined that his happiness comes from his faith. That's what they said in Surfer Magazine. He didn't fail. He had opportunities for frustration, friction, but he just stayed pure-hearted. He's just one of the most pure-hearted guys I know. He loves the Lord, and that's the way we need to be. Because the enemy is always trying to cause friction. And that friction in your life, you've got to deal with it. You've got to quit playing the blame game. You've got to make a decision. God has a call on my life. There's something bigger. There's something greater. I'm not going to be idle or unfruitful. I'm going to be blessed of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Does that help anybody this morning? Glory to God. Lift your hands and thank the Lord. Father, we thank you. We bless you. Lord, stand on your feet, if you will, for just a moment. Rest, your, rest yourself. We're going to take some time and pray. Lord, we worship you. Oh, how we glorify your name, Father. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Oh, how we worship you, Father. How we exalt you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus. Now listen to this by the Spirit. For there are assignments of intercession being given this morning. No, this is just a taste. This is just the tip. This is just the beginning. But there is a stirring in the spirit of some to take up that assignment and to make that decision to become the one that would stand in the gap, intercede and pray. For you will see I'm doing a work in your day. For I will no longer let dirt rule. I will only cause that which is pure and prosperous unto my cause rise to the top. This is the season for it to begin and happen. But you must understand it is not without effort. It shall just not happen. So this day as your spirit is stirred, receive the assignment. Stand in faith, and that anointing shall come upon you now. And you shall be stirred day after day, after week after week, month after month, till the fulfillment of that which I have said and purposed in the earth is accomplished. You may not stand in the light. They may not know your name. 
but you will share in all that is done and the reward shall be great. So even this day, search your heart. Say unto yourself, is that me? Is that me? And if you know in your heart and spirit, then stand and accept that which I am placing upon you now and the anointing shall begin today. Now let me close with this. For that which I am planning to do in this nation cannot happen without the correct government being in place. For those with voices of unrighteousness and opposition, as soon as the fire would start, they would do their best to legislate the move of God and to cause that which I will sweep this nation with to come to an early end. But if you will be obedient, it's the few that I'm calling. It's the Gideon's army that will pray not just for their selfish needs, but for that which others need and desire. Then the wave shall sweep, the fire shall start, the move shall come, and all that I've shown you in the past shall be even exceedingly and exceedingly above all that you've asked or think. Be faithful to the call. Be obedient to that which I've placed upon you today. And the work shall be done quickly. And in the midst of harvest, you shall rejoice and say, look what the Lord has done and how excellent are his wisdom and ways and the glory shall be unto him. Hallelujah. For there is holiness in this place. There's the atmosphere of heaven on each face. The word and the spirit that has given you something to do will prove out in the end that it was all true. So be thankful and glad in your heart that the Father has given you a part. Be faithful, be true, and you'll know what and when to do. Thank you for listening to our Fall Harvest series. If you would like to find out more about Island Church located in Galveston, Texas, please make sure you visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.